Let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. We are coming to the conclusion today of our series that we have uh, been investing in over the summer uh, in dealing with the passages that use the phrase, uh, particularly in the New Testament, one another. And we have looked at uh, various ones, the series itself, uh, building up one another, and then all the others uh, coming beneath that, uh, being devoted to one another, and the focus was in love, being devoted to one another, admonishing one another, accepting one another, serving one another, being of the same mind of one another, bearing one another's burdens, encouraging one another. And today we come to the last one that you will see at the very end of this passage that I am going to read. And it is my view that uh, this last is not in any sense least, but it is in fact the one that ties all of the rest of them together. So I want you to, to follow along, listen carefully, and then let's see how these are kind of uh, lassoed in and pulled together with this last one particularly in view. Reading in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are, are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Give me thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, we do ask now in these very few moments for you to give us ears to hear and hearts enabled by your Holy Spirit and by your grace to respond to the truth of your word, your word which was revealed so long ago and yet is relevant for us today in our relationships Will you be our teacher? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the last one, in case you missed it, is uh, submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Now, that's hard. For some of you, already, before we even begin, 
you're swallowing hard. You're thinking, I hate these sermons when he talks about submitting. Because I, I don't like to submit. I wasn't brought up that way. And I don't want to be anybody's doormat. And so already the defenses are coming up. Well, let's, let's talk about it. We're going to define it here in a moment. But we've got to understand the context. As often as not, the problem with this is that people, people pluck it out, they batter people with that phrase, and, and of course it's going to be abused when that's the case. You see, in this particular context, he had said, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So here he is saying, look, I'm going to make a, a comparison between what the, what the world that we live in uses for comfort and for guidance and to escape. In fact, for many, that's getting drunk with wine. And Paul doesn't just put up a, a big commandment and say, don't get drunk. He's saying, look. It is debauchery. <laughs> don't get drunk. But don't just leave a big gap there when you quit getting drunk. Fill it with that which will bring you real comfort, not temporary comfort that will leave you the next day or whenever you wake up feeling worse than you felt before you got drunk instead of something temporary for comfort or to escape, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to talk about what that looks like. Addressing one another. There's another one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. We have done that. When we worship, we Worship, of course, focused upon God. That, that should be our entire focus. But all of us benefit when we hear. Were we not thrilled earlier with some of that singing? I was. And it was because I heard you. I would not have been thrilled had I been in here yesterday when I was uh, going through my sermon and I sang Crown Him with Many Crowns by myself. I wouldn't have had chills. And you wouldn't have if you'd heard it either. So we do it with one another. And that is a beautiful thing from God's perspective. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is so parallel with our verse of the year. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So here he's saying, look, here's a picture of a, a drunk and debauched person. Don't be that. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And here's that picture. 
But then he says, submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Putting on the brakes, are you? I like the worship thing. I can even go with the giving thanks. What do you mean submitting to one another? Well, let's define the word. It is a military term. Last week we looked at a compound word in the original language, and this one is a compound word as well. It means two words that are put together to uh, make up one word, one thought. Uh, The one word is to marshal troops or ships uh, in order, to put them in order, like uh, in the military. And the other word is to subordinate uh, or place in subjection. And so the idea is to line up beneath one another. Still don't like it any better, do you? Lining up beneath each other? Well, that's okay as long as I'm the one on top, right? Well, let's get some things out of the way. First of all, what it, it is not a doormat theology. Some have used it that way. They've said, yeah, you, you do whatever I say. You need to submit. In other words, you become my doormat, and then you're submitting. That's not it at all. It's not where one is less than another or where one person is more important to God than another. Yes, there is a lining up, but it's not a negative thing the way the Scripture puts it. Look, if I, if I said, okay, we are, everyone in uh, this sanctuary, uh, line up in alphabetic order. Now, first of all, it would probably take us four, maybe five hours, I figure, to, to actually do that, okay? But let's say we had a big, long line, and we were all in alphabetic order, and it was uh, the, the, the correct order, A to Z. How many different ways could we do that and it be correct? Only one. Now, that's an order of things. That's alphabetic order. But it doesn't mean that you who are at the very beginning and your name just happens to start with A are better than us W's at the end. No better. It's just a different place in line in order for it to be the correct line. Everyone has their proper place. And it's not about being better or worse. So what is it then? Well, it's a whole mentality of the Christian life as we we relate to one another, of humility and submissiveness. The the term we just talked about is in what we call the middle voice in terms of, of grammar. So literally, it's saying to subordinate oneself. Now, that's important because it's not saying that we go around making others submit or forcing someone else to submit or to subordinate others to you. It's saying we are subordinating ourselves 
in this case to where we ought to be. Sometimes our problem is just wanting others to submit. Now, this verse that I read, submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ, here's the next thing we got to understand. It is all-encompassing. It includes all of us. This is not something for the women. This is not something for the weak or the strong. Everyone is included in this. Before we go any farther, and you know, I see this as an umbrella verse for the relationships that are about to follow, and we're gonna we're gonna go through all of them very quickly. But it's it's an umbrella verse, and it's saying, All of you submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. But before we go any further, again, if you're if you're struggling with this. I want to point out a verse over in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. You can, if it's not there in the outline, you can write it down. Here's what it says, though. This is the Apostle Paul. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Here, here's an idea of being subordinated. The head of every man is Christ. Now, anyone who's a Christian doesn't have a problem with that. Say, I get it. Christ is the head of our church, and of me. And then it says, the head of a wife is her husband. Some struggle with that. But then it says, and the head of Christ is God. Three examples of submission. The third is an example of Christ to the Father. So here's the thing. If you think it's an insult for you to be asked to submit, I hope that you can see it is no insult because even Christ in his relationship showed submission, showed subordination. It didn't make him less. He and the Father are equal but they were different positions. We're going to look at five areas of submission because we are all involved at some point in this. The government, church, marriage, family, and work. Now, all of these don't touch all of us equally, but all of us are touched by some of these. First of all, the government, and I'm, I'm going to move quickly with these verses. There's a lot of scripture in Romans 13:1. It says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, to be subject to, submitting yourself to them. Why? For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Here, Paul was speaking uh, underneath an oppressive, a corrupt, an idol-worshiping, a heavily taxing government the Romans, and yet he says, submit to that government. 
You don't like our government, some of you. Who put it in place? According to Romans 13, God put it there. He instituted government, and there's no government that is going to stand unless God sees fit for it to stand. And so, we are to submit. One of the ways we are to submit is we are told to pray. Prayer in and of itself is submission. Some of you have a hard time praying for somebody that maybe you didn't vote for. We are called to. We are called to at that point. Secondly, in terms of the church itself, in Ephesians 5, later on, remember I said you got an umbrella verse that uh, says submit to one another, and then it describes how we go about doing that. It says, as the church submits to Christ, um, and that's in verse 24, and it says uh, in 23, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself the Savior. Now, who do we submit to in the church? Well, one place is uh, the elders. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So when you become a member of a church, uh, here's one of the vows that we take. It says, if you join the church, do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and peace. And then, when officers are ordained, you also take this vow. Do you, the members of this church, acknowledge and receive this brother as a ruling elder or deacon? And do you promise to yield him all that honor, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord to which the office entitles him? So, That's one thing. If we are a member of a church, we submit to uh, the government of the church. Not because they're better people, but because of the order, the lining up that God gave to us. That's the way my church works best. But here's the other side of it. It's not just that we submit to elders, but elders submit to us as well. In 1 Peter 5, verse 1, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Uh, Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. So the elders are called not to uh, dominate, but to serve. One of the vows that they take is, do you promise subjection to your brothers? So elders are in submission as well. And then there's another area, and that is marriage itself. In Ephesians 5, verse 22, first of all, the wives. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, in that particular verse, the word submit 
in the original language isn't even there. Now, that's a good translation because that's the meaning of it. But the verse before that is the one that says, submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ, and then it says, wives to your husbands. That's all it says in the Greek. So what, he, what Paul is doing is he is about to tell everyone how does this flesh itself out, this submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ, how does that look for me, in this case, as a wife, and then he's going to talk to husbands and then fathers and children and slaves and masters. So he starts out and he says, wives, to your husbands. Now, I don't know if there is any statement in the New Testament that is considered more politically incorrect than that in our day. However, I'm convinced that it is also probably one of the most misrepresented and misunderstood teachings. It's usually, as I said, plucked out of context. And it is usually used by weak men on their wives. Notice who it's speaking to. It's not speaking to the husband. It doesn't say husbands... Get your wives to submit. It says, wives, to your husbands. It's not speaking to the husbands here. It will in a moment. So it's only speaking to the women. And the emphasis is the previous verse, out of a reverence for Christ. Now, any one of these relationships, by the way, could be whole sermon series. And I'm, I'm sorry I can't deal into that further, but I want us to get an overview of all the different areas of submission. In this, um, it does say, uh, and, and Peter, really, in case somebody says, well, Paul just hated women. There are those that say that. Uh, he was a misogynist. And over in Peter, it says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some of them don't obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And listen to this. For This is for the wives. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. <laughs> you see what he's saying? This is the way... The women were made beautiful. It, it wasn't some outward makeover. It was a makeover of the heart from God because that doesn't come natural for many women. It's hard. And yet, here it says, that's how women adorn themselves and were beautiful. And then it says husbands. Now again, you might say, well, it doesn't say anything about husbands submitting. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Hus and, and that's right after that overall verse, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
and he's telling us how. He says, husbands, here's how you do it. You love your wives like Christ loved the church. And listen, I promise you, if you do that, you will show genuine love and submission as you serve her and treat her tenderly as you do everything for her that Christ did for the church. Now, you might say, well, how come it says for husbands to love their wives, but it doesn't say wives love your husbands? And why does it say women, you wives submit, and it doesn't say husbands submit? I always ask couples in premarital counseling, why do you think that is? Here's why I think it is. Because those are the things that don't come as natural for us. For the wife, because we live in a fallen world. Lots of wives want to be, rise up and be the head of the home. It's not natural to recognize headship, biblical headship. But you know what? Many wives find loving their husbands very natural. But for some guys, it's a whole lot more struggle learning to really, really love your wife, especially when it's like Christ loved the church. So he calls on us to submit, and he calls on us in the area that doesn't come natural, and that means we've got to walk by faith. Then it talks about children and parents. Ephesians 6.14, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and mother. That's obvious. That's how the children submit. And then it says, so you say, okay, well, that makes sense, but what about parents? You said they submit to, in uh, verse 4, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There it is. Even the father, even the parents submit to their children when they're not about provoking them. You see, this was in a day, in an age, when children were property, you could dispose of them any way you wanted. And so for a father to treat his child this way was a very real act of submission and humility and love that was unnatural in that day. And why? Why are we being called all these, what what I'm calling unnatural things? It's because these are kingdom principles. You see, the kingdom of Christ is different than the world we live in. And the world changes. And one phrase back then would have been politically incorrect. Another one today would be, in 50 years, another one of these will be politically incorrect. But the kingdom remains And these relationships work. And then he goes on with work relationships. And and this speaks of slaves and masters uh, um, in Ephesians 6. It doesn't in any way endorse that there were slaves and masters. But it's saying, look, this is the reality in our world today. There are slaves and masters. So if you're a Christian and you find yourself as a slave in this day, he says this, verse 5, Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, and so on. In other words, he talks about attitude. 
And he's saying, a, 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 one who finds as a Christian and he finds himself as a slave, you're going to be a different kind of slave because your master is not that earthly master. You're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he speaks to the masters in verse 9, the bosses. Do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. You see what he's saying? He's saying, look, you're no better than them. You're in a different position. You're the boss. You're the master in this case. But in God's eyes, you're no better. And that speaks to all of the relationships before. The husband and the wife are both image bearers before God. They have equal value before God. There are just roles that we are called to be in when we are in this life. Now, if you're looking at the outline, you see the phrase, the whole thing summarized. I'm not just talking about this sermon because I think this whole idea of submission brings together all of those one another's. It, it really is when we are in submission to one another, when we will build up one another and we will admonish properly and we will accept and we will serve and be of the same mind and bear one another's burdens and encourage one another, when we begin to submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ, we will begin to do those other one another's. And if your whole point in this is I expect others to submit to me, then you're going to be disappointed. It will not work. Christ showed us about all of these one another's. It's expressed in Philippians 2. And it says this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility. See, there it is, submission. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And here's the key. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. It's the ultimate submission. You see why submission, this is not some side category. This is at the very core of the person and work of Christ. That it was what it said back in 1 Corinthians 11, the head of Christ is God. He's equal with God, but, but he determined that there is a role in this universe that I 
will carry out. And it's a role of submission. And he carried out by taking on flesh and walking this earth and doing it perfectly, suffering in the very ways that we can suffer, being tempted in the very ways that we are tempted and yet without sin, and that submission took him all the way to the cross and to the grave. And that's when God exalted him. By raising him from the dead and sitting him at the right hand of the Father. If you put on the brakes earlier about submission, you know, in reality, you're quite right. None of us can do it in all of those areas naturally. But we don't have to naturally. Because if you are in Christ, that means that Christ dwells in you. And it is Christ in you that will enable you to submit to one another out of a reverence for him. Let's bow together.